Good morning, everybody. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come to you in prayer. In Psalm 24, we read that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We thank you for the natural world that you have made and the way you've made us and given us a mandate to fill the earth and subdue it. We give thanks for things we often take for granted, like rain and sun, trees and plants, seasons and cycles that you have built into the world you made. We thank you too, Father, for people, for the wonderful diversity that you built into humanity. We come in different shapes and sizes, with different languages, cultures and ideas, but we are all people made in your image. We thank you especially for your son Jesus, who you sent to die for our sin on a cross so that we could be reconciled to you. We thank you that we, who called on Jesus as Lord, become brothers and sisters, heirs with Jesus, through what he has done for us. Remind us of this every day, Lord, of your great love and kindness for us, and help us to show it to others. We pray, Father, for our country and our state. Border changes and COVID will be on many minds today, Lord. However we feel about that, help us to remember that you are still Lord. Your creation is still being sustained by you, and you promise to provide us with all that we need as we trust in you. We pray too, Father, for our local church family. We pray for those who are unwell and can't be with us today. We ask that they would especially know your love and your Holy Spirit would be especially present to them. We pray for the leadership of our CRC and CEFC movement, Father. Give them wisdom and courage as they lead your people. May they too know your presence and be conscious that your grace is sufficient for them. For our own leadership team, Father, we give thanks for them, for the tireless effort behind the scenes to keep things running and do what needs to be done. Father, encourage and bless them as they serve us. Finally, Father, we pray for Sam as he comes to share with us today on his birthday. We thank you for him and we just pray that you would bless the year ahead for him, bless everything he does. Please give us ears to hear what you have given him to share. May your Holy Spirit encourage him, fill him with your presence as he shares today. Bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for the prayers and for the birthday wishes. It's wonderful to feel sense of family and uh, being a community together. Uh, speaking of which, as the kids have gone out, we've left some big gaps here. So perhaps some of the people from up the back, you might want to just come down and move down the fronts just so that we can all feel part of a family together. That would be wonderful if you do that. And perhaps as some of you are doing that, you might want to just turn around to the, to the camera. We know that there are some people at home uh, who are watching this from home just to say hello. It's wonderful that you're joining us as well. Uh, and particularly for the people at home, we're going to be taking communion a bit later on. So perhaps during the most boring, dull part of the sermon, you might want to just uh, <laughs> nip out and uh, grab something at home uh, so that you can participate in the meal as well. 
Not many of you moved forward then, as I asked you to, so perhaps some more of you could do that. That would be good. I just wanted to also uh, thank uh, that the children's volunteers had a, had a breakfast this morning. Uh, we've got amazing church, amazing people volunteering and serving in many capacities and it was wonderful to celebrate uh, all the volunteers who do an amazing job uh, looking after our kids and bringing them up in the faith. And also yesterday we had a music jam with all of the uh, music people. Um, they're really longing to serve and grow in the music ministry and the worship ministry. So again, a great thanksgiving in my heart for people who are just wanting to step up uh, and serve, uh, step out uh, perhaps of their, their comfort zones and, and step into what God is calling them to do as they participate in the life of this church. And that's a little bit about uh, where we're sort of heading this morning as I want to share a message. Uh, last week, we were so blessed to have Pastor Hans Vormann with us, uh, both in the morning and a special evening service. And uh, during that time, Hans was talking about uh, being open to the Holy Spirit uh, to be able to um, give words to, to one another. And it's often uh, in, in the, the, what he called the alpha state, which is that, that sense of relaxation between being awake and being asleep, that the Holy Spirit often talks to us. And I, I would concur with that. Uh, often it's as I'm falling asleep uh, in bed that the Lord speaks to me and brings me <laughs> words and things to share, or as, as I'm driving along in the car, as I'm sort of not really thinking about much. And that was what happened to me uh, this week. I was I put the Bible on as I drive, and this story came on. And it's a common story. It's a short story. But as I was just driving in, probably in that alpha state, all of these thoughts came to me. I thought, I, this is a word for the church. And I think it's a word for a number of people here. Uh, as, as you listen to this story and as you listen to it be un- unpacked, be open to what God is saying to you in your life. Uh, in fact, as I was, we were singing that last song, I got a sense that there's someone here uh, where it says, you are free indeed. Isn't that an interesting concept? We can be free or we can be free indeed. And there's someone here who is struggling with a sense of, of being set free. Uh, to the point of being free indeed. Uh, and if that's you this morning, I'd encourage you to uh, seek out someone to, to pray for that, whether that be breaking a habit or um, just there's some theological concepts that, that's, that's holding you back to be fully free uh, in all that Jesus has for you. So this morning we're going to look at the story in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to open up to Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46, I believe. Uh, it's a story of blind Bartimaeus. Uh, it's a story that many of you probably know pretty well. It's a short story. Um, and many of you have probably studied it, done Bible studies over it, home group looked at it. Um, But I want to read this story to you first and foremost and then just come back and just unpack some of those things that I really sensed that the Lord was saying. So let's read it together from Mark chapter 10. It says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, 
A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that he was that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Amazing story. Uh, If you just stop for a moment and imagine uh, what is happening there in the, in the context of, of all the hustle and bustle. And it's a story, if you take a step back, it's really a picture of every single human being's existence. Here we have blind Bartimaeus as an example of you and me. And that each and every one of us uh, is, is blind in some way to the reality, to the truth of who God is and what he has done for us. And Jesus is the one who comes and reveals himself to you and I and opens up our eyes to see the truth of who he is in a way that enables us to follow him and be his disciples. That's kind of a big sort of simple picture of this story. But as I was listening in the car, these these concepts came to me. This story represents an individual that's been pushed aside. Uh, in the, that society, if uh, you were lame, if you were a leper, if you were blind, uh, you, were, you were cast aside in the society, um, put, push, pushed to the side. So here's a story that represents someone who's considered to be of no value. Their worth is diminished. They are ignored by many. And as a flow of people are passing by, so Jesus is on his way to the Passover feast, and it's the last time he's going to uh, head to the Passover. Uh, and it was the custom of the Jewish people that if you were within a certain radius of Jerusalem and you were of certain age, you were required to actually enter Jerusalem and participate in the festival of Passover. Passover was the festival where they celebrated uh, the amazing uh, story of being uh, uh, free from Egypt uh, in the early days uh, in, into the, and start, started to come into the Promised Land. And uh, they celebrated this, this, this Passover. And so uh, in Jericho was outside of, of Jerusalem, and so all of the people were passing through. And it wasn't just one or two people. It was every single person who was required to come to Jerusalem. So it was a bit of a bit of a a big affair. It wasn't just a couple of people walking past. We've got this massive crowd. And as part of that, uh, the the beggars would there take their opportunity to be on the side of the street and not only uh, have an opportunity to perhaps ask for for food or for for money, but maybe even hear uh, a famous rabbi and his words as he's talking, as he's going along, getting a glimpse 
or uh, to hear a word of, of, of something important. So, so that sets the scene. So there are people passing by this crowd of people who are on the side of the road. And as I was thinking about that, have, here is Bartimaeus who takes an opportunity to not let an opportunity pass him by. For every single other person there, Jesus was, was and, and, and Jesus was well known at this time. Uh, the stories of who he was and what he was able to do was going throughout the region. And so, you know, there was this desire to not only catch a glimpse of him, but maybe see and be aware of some of the miraculous things that's been going on. And all these people are, are there on the side of the road as, as, the, as Jesus passes by. But it's Bartimaeus who doesn't let Jesus simply pass by and miss an opportunity that was right in front of him. How many of us in our lives feel like we've had missed opportunities? I think every single one of us might be able to name a a certain area of our life, a scenario, whether it be a a financial decision or a, a ministry opportunity or a career step or a relationship in which there's been a missed opportunity. There's been something that's happened where we look back and we go, oh, if only we'd done that, we could have, this could have happened. Um, I, back in uh, my youth days, uh, as I was thinking about this missed opportunity thought, uh, this story came to mind of, of we, um, in our youth group, wrote a lot of songs and uh, the youth compiled these songs into a songbook and we had this night uh, where we uh, celebrated and, and shared all these, these songs. And all, all the family of the, the, the youth uh, who wrote these songs that were on stage um, came along to, to listen to the, these songs being played. And as I was this young punk guitarist up the back uh, who had been asked to play, I, I got this sense that God was saying to me, there's, a, there's a, a dad in this room who's looking at one of the singers here and you're not really sure what's going on, but you can see that, that something has made a difference in this youth's life. You can see it in their face, face and you're not really sure what it is, but I want to tell you that what has happened for your daughters is, is for you as well. So imagine as a young teenager, only just sort of discovering the life of what it means to be led by the Spirit, and that was my first sort of real voice of God asking me to do something, and I was terrified. And I was like, who am I to just get up and take take the mic off someone and start start talking? And so I just let it go. And then we're having a debrief uh, a week later, uh, and as as the band, and one of the the singers shared of a story, and she said, "Oh, my dad came and talked to me afterwards, and was really confused about what we were talking about and what we were, we were singing." And my heart dropped. I thought, "Oh, what would have happened if I had stepped out in faith? If I had taken the chance of that opportunity that was before me? And you know, what what could have happened?" It was a missed opportunity. Have we got missed opportunities 
in our lives. Well, here's Bartimaeus who didn't let an opportunity pass him by. Everyone else had the chance to call out to Jesus. Everyone had, else had the chance to step out in faith and to ask something of Jesus as he walked by. But it was blind Bartimaeus that actually caused Jesus to stop in his tracks. But sometimes when we miss our opportunities, when things happen in our lives, we devalue ourselves, don't we? We, we look at a situation or, or which we're uh, uncomfortable with and we think, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm damaged goods or um, that person's better than I am or I thought I was going to be something and now I'm not. And, and that talk causes ourselves to devalue ourselves, to not think of ourselves as we should. We sang the song just before I got up to speak that our value doesn't come from our mistakes or who we've, what we've done, what we haven't done, our opportunities lost or missed or opportunities taken. Our value actually comes from who Jesus says we are. And that's what we see in this story too. That here's, here is someone who's cast aside, who is, who is pushed aside in that society and they shout. They they tell him to be quiet. Who who are you? Shush! But Bartimaeus cries out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And it's Jesus actually shows worth and value to Bartimaeus more than any other person did. So I want to declare to you today: you are of value. You are loved, just as uh, Hannah declared before that song so beautifully. No matter what you've done, whatever your past mistakes are, whatever your lost opportunities have been in your life, that Jesus loves you so much and he wants to value you for who he says you are, not who you say you are. So Jesus is going traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he is on a mission. In fact, uh, if you look uh, earlier on in Mark, and we, um, we can possibly even do that, Jesus actually tells his disciples, uh, if you look back uh, at verse 32 in Mark chapter 10, they were on their way up to Jerusalem, Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and he told them what he was going to do. So Jesus is on a mission. He's got his eyes set on Jerusalem because he knows that that is where he is being led to. We are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. This is what Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to participate in. But the disciples didn't get it. They didn't understand. But Jesus, have you ever been sort of, you've got an assignment due 
or you've got to clean up the house before people come over and you've, you, you, you've got your eyes set on a task and you're on a mission. Anyone ever sort of been in that in, in your life? And, and when that happens, you kind of don't like to be interrupted, do you? You kind of just want to get on and finish that task in order to complete it because that's what you're about. So this is the height of Jesus's ministry here. This is the climax. Jesus is on his way to the cross to uh, die for the sins of the world for you and I so that we might find forgiveness. This is the height of his ministry. So he's on a mission. And as he's walking along, Jesus gets interrupted. Does, does Jesus go, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I've got to finish this task? Or does Jesus stop in the interruption and in the interruption have an interaction with a person and ultimately save his life and create a new Christ follower? See, I believe that God actually works in our interruptions. In our lives, we love routine. We love to just go with the flow like the crowd walking along the road. We've got our mission. We're we're doing what we do daily, every day, in order to accomplish the task that we want to do. And yet it's in the interruptions that God often most works. The, The person that comes to your door unexpectedly uh, the the person you bump into in the shopping aisle, uh, the the mum that you you talk to as you drop the kids off to school, as you need to get to the, to do something else, God works in our interruptions. So they came to Jericho. It says here in the scripture that this blind man was called Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. Now, it doesn't actually say this, but I wonder, seeing as though in those times someone who was uh, blind, disabled, a beggar, would just simply be named as that, a blind man or a leper. They're very rarely actually given a name. But here we have... Bartimaeus actually named and his family named. And it makes you ponder. I wonder if Bartimaeus was going to be somebody, that he had a a family heritage, uh, maybe the the parents um, had high hopes for Bartimaeus. Now, it doesn't say whether he was blind by birth or whether it happened later on. Perhaps it, it happened later on as a result of a disease or something. And so here is, here is someone who uh, was going to perhaps be someone, as the world would call someone, as a title, as, as a person of influence, uh, and yet now here he is at the side of the road begging and asking uh, for money. Makes you ponder, doesn't it, that he's actually named well, the scriptures uh, say to us, I have called you by name. Child, you are mine. Because Jesus has named us. There's, there's value when we are named. Uh, we're not just the sum of our uh, disappointments or our, our past mistakes, but Jesus actually 
calls us by name and there's worth in that. And um, more, more so than that, it doesn't say that Jesus, in fact, the, the, the Bible, you know when they, they put the chapters and the, the headings and the verses in it uh, to help us navigate the Bible, they say they call this blind Bartimaeus because it's a story about blind Bartimaeus. But Jesus never calls us by our mistakes. He doesn't say lazy Samuel. He doesn't call me, uh, um, I don't know, trying to make something up on my head. I can't think of something bad. He doesn't, he doesn't say, he doesn't say who, you're who you are by what you've done. Can you see that? He, he doesn't say, hey, blind Bartimaeus. He doesn't call him by his mistake name. He's, he's actually called by his name. Anyway, that's just a, a little aside. So when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, it was him. So word of Jesus was, was, was out and about, uh, his miraculous things that he was doing. So he had heard. Now, as a blind man, we, we know uh, scientifically that uh, all of our senses work together. And if you lose one of your senses, your other senses are, are heightened and given, uh, I guess, more power to make up for that sense that's lost. And, and Bartimaeus heard of, of Jesus. Not only did he hear of his, his uh, work in the region, but I believe that his, his heightened sense of, of uh, ability of his senses made him believe and start to sense that Jesus was able to actually do something for him. And so he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have you ever called out to Jesus in this way? Have you ever had a stage of your life where you've wanted something in your life so bad that you know that you can't do, but to be able to just simply call out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Here's this man who's able to do that, and we should look to him and follow his example because he doesn't get um, hung up by the crowd. Many rebuked him. And told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many of us love to pursue things, but sometimes the voices of other people hold us back. Sometimes the potential thought of what other people think hold us back into stepping into all that God has for us. But here's Bartimaeus who who disregards everyone telling him to be quiet. And he shouts, it says, all the more. He is not going to let this opportunity pass him by. He didn't know this, but this was actually the last time he would be able to see Jesus because <laughs> Jesus was on his way to the cross 
This was the last time he was walking along that road. He didn't know it, but it was almost as if he did because he didn't want us... He didn't want Jesus to go and be gone and never actually have the opportunity again. He, here is Jesus standing in front of him. Here is his moment. And he doesn't let anyone get in his way of seizing hold of that moment in his life for God to do something. How many times have we in, a, in our lives pursued God in that way? where we wouldn't let circumstance or people stop us from grabbing hold of an opportunity for God to move and do something in our lives. Perhaps this morning for you is your opportunity. Perhaps is your opportunity, despite what you're going to do today, later on, or what the person next to you might think, to actually call out, just like Bartimaeus did, for God to work in your life in an area that you really need him. You've got an area in your life that you need healing in, that you need him to, to move in powerfully, that you there's a, a breakdown in relationship that you feel is, is gone and has no chance of reconciliation, and you just need to cry out to God, take hold of the opportunity that is here today to say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Work in my life. I want to take hold of that. I don't want to let you pass pass by. See, Bartimaeus, even though he couldn't see, he could hear. He didn't concentrate on what he didn't have. He concentrated on what he did have. He didn't. He didn't think, I can't see, therefore I can't be. He actually used what he had. He didn't allow his failure, his condition, to stop him from accepting and, and having all that, that God had for him. Now, as I was, I was, I was dwelling on this, I was reminded um, Willie Stewart, I don't know whether she was preaching or, or, or giving a word, um, she talked about the, the Japanese art of... Kin, Kintinskui. <laughs> I don't know. Someone, someone help me out there. Um, and it's the art of taking an object that's been broken and mending it together with gold. And the, the story behind this was there's this famous Japanese um, emperor or something who had a favourite bowl and he broke it and he sent it off to China to get mended. And it came back with all these ugly staples in it. And he's like, this, this doesn't work. This is my favourite bowl. Now it looks terrible. So he gave it to a local craftsman who took out the staples and, and used uh, gold to re-craft uh, it and to make it into something beautiful. And in doing so, actually made the piece of pottery of more worth and value than it was previously, even before it was broken. And what I see here in this story is what God does not just for Bartimaeus, but for you and I. He takes those missed opportunities, those disappointments, those, those, those conditions in ourselves that might be broken, that might be uh, damaged, that might be uh, hard, 
and he takes them and he, he mends us and, and, and he makes us into his workmanship, into something of beauty. And, and now, even though we can still see the scars, we, we still live with that, what he does is he's taken it and he's making us into something more beautiful than we were before and of more value than we were before. It's a great picture, isn't it, of what Jesus does for us in our lives as he mends us together. So Jesus stopped. Call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. So Jesus is interrupted. He is stopped. I was talking about that earlier on. Uh, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. The great thing, if one can stop, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life God is sending one day by day. Isn't that true? That God works in our interruptions? As many of us here would have experiences and testimonies of how God has come and interrupted our lives, and it was in, in the, the times that we least expected that God came and, and did something out of the blue. But back here, Bartimaeus throws his cloak aside. Now, sometimes we can just quickly read stories. What's really important is to sit and dwell and think, think through. And sometimes the writers of the, the, the Gospels or, or Paul's writing might just add something that you might just think is a throwaway thing or as part of the story, but there's actually quite a lot of significance to it. And I believe this is one of those things. You see, the cloak for a beggar was like their uniform. It was kind of the, the way that they were noticed as someone who might be able to uh, receive uh, a blessing or a gift from someone. Uh, the coat was often used as, as to catch the money in as the people went by. So here is Bartimaeus starting to act in, his, in faith. Remember before I said he, he could hear that it was Jesus? And the hearing was more than just knowing that it was Jesus. It was, it was starting to activate a faith that said, he is here and I'm going to take hold of this opportunity. I'm going to cry out to him and, and Jesus is going to actually do something for me because there is no plan B for Bartimaeus. He believes it so much so that the cloak is thrown aside, the he does, he's not going to have something to, oh, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't work, I can always just go back to what I was doing before. Bartimaeus has such a faith, such a belief in, in who Jesus is and what he is able to do that he actually throws aside the, the thing that would um, give him value and, and, and money later on if it, if it didn't work. Isn't that an amazing thought? Do we approach Jesus in the same way in our lives? Believing and trusting, calling out to him, 
I'm not going to miss this opportunity. I'm believing for him to move powerfully in my life. So much so that I'm willing to throw off the option of going back if it doesn't work. Really powerful. Jesus asked Bartimaeus a question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, <laughs> we look at that, don't we, and we kind of laugh in a way. Many of us will go, well, isn't it obvious? Like, here's a blind guy and he's calling out to you to have mercy. Isn't, isn't it obvious that, that he wants you to heal him and to have sight? As I was pondering this, it's, what do you want for me to do? Could it be that he, Jesus might just, he might just say, well, I just want you to give me money or to help me or to, to get on by. But Jesus gives him the opportunity to ask for the bold thing, for the thing that he's really, really wanting, in the deep down thing of his heart. And I believe that Jesus asks you and I the same question. What do you want for me? As we think about that, what do you want Jesus to do in your life? Some of you might answer, well, you know, I just really want my kids to grow up healthy and strong and, and be uh, looked after. Some of us might say, you know, I really want a career that's going to enable me to just be fulfilled and happy. Some of us might say, I really want you to work in my marriage that's perhaps falling apart. All very good things to ask of Jesus. But Bartimaeus' answer is actually really, really profound. And I want to unpack that for us as we, as we finish up. The blind man says... Rabbi, I want to see again. Now the word here, Rabbi, if you study it, is Rabboni. And it's only used twice in the New Testament. The other time is when Mary sees Jesus resurrected at the tomb in the garden. And Mary says, Rabboni. And Rabboni means... Got it here if you want to. Rabboni means my master. My master. You see, Bartimaeus has gone from saying Jesus, son of David, which is kind of a title as the Messiah, uh, that the people were expecting a, a Messiah to come and free the Romans from uh, captivity, uh, free the Jewish people from the captivity of the Romans in a military kind of way. That's what they were expecting. Jesus, son of David, the, the Messiah was going to be for the line of David. Jesus was going to be that, that Messiah. So he's gone from calling Jesus like Messiah as this title, as Jesus being out there, Jesus being a concept, Jesus being a title, Jesus being something that I've heard about. But now Bartimaeus is going to see who Jesus is. He's not only going to hear intellectually, 
But he is going to sense and see and know Jesus as Rabboni, my master. For exactly what Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to do, to die on the cross for him, to save him from his sins, to find forgiveness, to be restored, to be included in God's family, to have eternal life. Rabboni. What, what an amazing reality and, and insight this man had. The disciples didn't get it and they travelled with him. And they could see Jesus, but they didn't see Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus couldn't see Jesus, but he saw Jesus for who he was. My master. My master. I want to see. I want to see. You see, I, I think many of us hear of Jesus how many of us take hold of an opportunity that's in front of us to actually see Jesus as my master? Work in my life. Do something new. You know, I need you. That's what this young old man did. <laughs> I want to invite. Uh, the music team up, if you can, come up. You see, Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want to do for me? If you look at Mark chapter 10, there's another time when Jesus asked this very same question in the very same words to his disciples. If you flick back, to the very chap- the verses just before this, James and John also come to Jesus and Jesus asks them, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, I want one, one of us to sit on your left and one of your right in your glory. And, and Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. They were asking for the wrong thing. They were, they were seeing Jesus as the Messiah, as the son of David, they were not seeing Jesus as my master, personal master who's going to come and do something. And so as you look on your life, you might see some broken pieces. You might see some missed opportunities. You might see some deficiencies You might be devaluing yourself based on the cracks, the brokenness that's come into your life. Take on the process of what this man did and not only hear of Jesus but actually call out to see Jesus at work because he wants to mend you He wants to heal you. He wants to turn you into something beautiful. In Ephesians it says we are his workmanship. We are his his beauty. We are his 
creation, his masterpiece, other translations say. You are a masterpiece. Especially when you allow Jesus to take those things, to mend you, to heal you, to make you into something even more valuable than you could ever be before. We're going to come and take communion in a moment. I just want to share one last thing. You might not think that you're worth much, but you're worth more than you could ever imagine. I've got a bottle of water here. How much do you think this bottle of water is worth? Anyone? Feel free to call out. That's okay. Two dollars? Dollar? Something like that? That's how much it's worth? I want to ask you a question now. Imagine you're in a desolate place and you're lost and you are severely dehydrated and someone came up to you with this bottle of water. Now how much is it worth? I want to ask you another question. Imagine you're with a child or a loved one and you're in that same place and you're both dehydrated severely to the point of almost death. And you had the opportunity to have this for that loved one to save their life. Now how much is this bottle of water worth? You see, the worth of something is how much someone is willing to pay for it, isn't it? And the same goes for our worth because Jesus was willing to go to that cross. Jesus was willing to lay down his life. He was willing to pay it all to prove how much he values you and how much of worth you are to him. Just like he did for Bartimaeus, where the crowd said, you're worthless, you're nothing. He was the one that got the encounter that showed that he was of worth to to, to Christ. And Bartimaeus ultimately, the story says, followed Jesus along the road. His life was changed because he was given value and worth from Christ. We're going to take communion and we're going to celebrate a meal that reminds us of the cost that Jesus went to the price that he was willing to pay for you and I to come into a right relationship with him that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are worth so much, that you are not the sum total of your mistakes, of your brokenness, of your deficiencies, but you are worth so much more than you think. And so... We're going to get the band to sing this song that fits so beautifully in with the thought of that Japanese artwork, all these pieces broken and scattered, taken, mended and made whole. And as we sing that, I'm going to invite uh, this side first of all uh, to go that way and come down and grab uh, a biscuit and, and the wine and then head back down the middle 
And then when that, this side is done, uh, this side's going to do the same thing. You're going to head towards the wall, come and grab uh, the elements and come back down the middle. And can I grab, get, ask you to, to hold on to the, the bread and the wine so that we can eat together? I want to say a few more words before we do that. But can I just pray that as we do this, we use this as an as a opportunity, just like Bartimaeus, to not let pass us by. Have you, got, have you got a real need in your life? Have you got a longing for God to move in a way that you know only He can do? Whether it be in a relationship, whether it be in a situation with a family member, whether it be in your own health, would you use this time to call out to God? Make Him stop. Make Him be interrupted and to notice you. And to step out of faith and say, Rabboni, my Master, I want to see. I want to see you work. I want to see you for who you are. I want to see you come into my life. I want to see you change my life. I want to see you take my brokenness to mend me and make me whole. Will you do that? So as we get the musicians to sing and as you come out, use this as a time to call out. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you're willing to be interrupted that day and remind us that we are of so much value to you that we might look at our mistakes, our lost opportunities, our failures and devalue ourselves. But Lord, you stop and you speak into our lives and ultimately you gave your life up for us. Shows us that we're not just named as our failures, but we're named as righteous, justified, made clean and whole because of what you've done for us. So Lord, I just want to pray for anyone in this room. Perhaps there was that person that doesn't feel free indeed. Perhaps there's a person who's really suffering with the guilt of a lost opportunity. Perhaps there's someone here who's feeling blind, longing to see you for who you really are that they have heard of you, but they just haven't seen you yet. Lord, would you open up their eyes? And would they be able to sing these words and say, once I was blind, but today I see. Today I see you for who you are. My Rabboni, my master, the one who's come to set me free, the one who's come to work in my life. So Lord, as people come, and gather around your table this morning. We just ask you to come and minister to us. Come and have your way. And if anyone just longs to call out, have mercy on me, Lord, would you just meet that need, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite, invite you guys to come up.
that story, Jesus was on his way to celebrate the Passover. And it was at a Passover meal that he declared to his disciples that this is my body which is given for you. That sacrifice that he showed that you were worth that dying for. And during that Passover meal, there was a whole heap of ritual. If you've ever had a Passover meal, I encourage you to do it. There's so much symbolism in in that traditional Jewish meal. But Jesus went off script in that meal from the traditional meal. And in doing so, he was saying that he was the Passover lamb. So the Passover was uh, where in Egypt they were held captivity and, and Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. And he was stubborn. So God sent all these plagues and the, and the final plague was, was to destroy all the, the, the firstborns. But those who sacrificed the lamb and put the blood of that lamb on, a, on the doorpost, as the Spirit of God came over, they would be set free, they'd be saved, they'd be spared. And as imagine Jesus there doing this meal with them. And as they're celebrating the reality of that in terms of what happened in, in Egypt, he's now saying, I am the Passover lamb. I am the lamb that was slain. And it is my blood that is now going to set you free to rescue you, to redeem you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not die shall not perish but be restored redeemed, renewed, healed set free and whole and have eternal life and that is what we celebrate today the work of Jesus on the cross as our lamb who was slain for the sin of the world that's now gone we're now set free and right with him. Will you stand with me? I invite you to take and eat the body of our Lord Jesus Christ who was given for you. And at that supper he said, This is the cup of a new covenant. There is a new thing that I'm doing. And it is for you and for many. It's no longer just for the, the Jewish people, but for all who would call out and cry out to Christ, for them to know Jesus as their Rabboni. It says this is the blood of the new covenant shed out for you and for many, including you and I. So let's take and drink. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. But Lord, we just want to take hold of every opportunity that you present with us. And so Lord, help us to go away different from today. Help us to go away with a a new understanding of 
the fact you're not just a concept, but you are Rabono, our master, our saviour, the one who has come to set us free, where we were once blind to the reality of who you are, but now we see you for who you really are, for what you've done on that cross to give us hope and life and an eternal future in you. Lord, we just want to thank you for that and go away changed because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I think because of time, we'll, we'll end the service there. But uh, if you've been spoken to this morning, if, if you feel like the Lord's really uh, done something in you or there's a certain situation that you'd love someone to pray with you for, uh, either come out the front here and someone would, would love to meet you or there's the prayer room that's available as well. Uh, and for those who are watching at home in a moment, there's going to be a phone number uh, that you can text in uh, if you have a, a request or if you prefer to have a, someone phone you back and to be able to pray with you at home. Because I think that's really important that the Lord might be speaking to you right where you're at home watching this. And don't let this opportunity pass you by, but allow someone to, to ring you back and to pray with you and ask God to act in your life in the way that we saw him act in Bartimaeus' life. May the Lord bless you as you go out uh, into this week and take every opportunity as those interruptions come into your life to say, hey God, what are you doing? How do you want to use me? How do I react and respond to what you're doing in this interruption in my life? Bless you guys. Thanks.